Thank you, guys. That was a blessing. Well, we are taking uh, a break this week from our study in the life of Elisha, and we're going to look at, uh, well, it's Valentine's Day. It doesn't fall on Sunday a whole lot. It seemed like an uh, opportunity to talk about today's topic, how to have a love affair with your spouse. And we're going to be looking in Proverbs chapter 5. I want to share a couple of verses with you, uh, verses 15 through 23. So I'll ask if you have that. If you're able, stand in God's honor as I read aloud. You should be faithful to your wife, just as you take water from your own well. And don't be like a stream from which just any woman may take a drink. Save yourself for your wife and don't have sex with other women. Be happy with a wife you married when you were young. She is beautiful and graceful, just like a deer. You should be attracted to her and stay deeply in love. Don't go crazy over a woman who is unfaithful to her own husband. The Lord sees everything, and he watches us closely. Sinners are trapped and caught by their own evil deeds. They get lost and die because of their foolishness and lack of self-control. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for an opportunity to look at your truth this morning as we talk about the importance of the relationship between a husband and wife. Father, being intimate, Lord, and, and being beautiful and, you know, a, a good fire. And so, Father, I pray you direct us in this time. We just want to give you glory in what transpires we want to continue to worship. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Sometimes, quite honestly, men and women don't understand each other. And if you're on this earth long enough, that you see that, right? And uh, I've often said that marriage is not meant to be a competition, but a completion. God has created us male and female and he has ordained the beautiful relationship of marriage the most intimate relationship outside of our relationship with Jesus and obviously all relationships are to be grounded and find their foundation in Jesus so that they can reach the full zenith of what they're meant to be uh, there's a story about a wife who she was very depressed. She felt her marriage was in deep trouble. Her husband never seemed to notice her. And finally, she said, I'm going to leave you. I, I, I don't know what to do. You act like I'm not even there. He said, oh, no, no, honey, no, I love you. What, what do you want me to do? And she said, well, I want you to go to counseling with me. And he goes, okay, all right. So they set up an appointment with a marriage counselor in their area and they went to see him and the counselor listened closely to both of them as they shared uh, about their marriage. Finally, the counselor says, well, it's very simple what you need. You can spice up your marriage greatly if you will just follow this advice I'm about to give you. So he gets out of his chair, 
He walks over to the wife. He picks her up. He embraces her. He passionately kisses her. And then he sets her back down, and she is stunned. She's blushing. She's, you know. And the husband's just expressionless. And the counselor says, do you understand? He said, yes. The counselor says, you need to do this at least a couple of times a week. And the husband says, well, I can bring her on Tuesdays and Fridays. Is that okay? He still didn't get it. It is important for the relationship to be developed. There's time and there's care and there's compassion that goes into that. It doesn't happen overnight. And the scriptures clearly say, as we look at this passage here, throughout Proverbs, there is a warning against sexual activity outside of marriage, which it is designed for. Um, inside marriage, it is a beautiful stream that provides fulfillment. Outside of marriage, it's sewer water. <laughs> it will destroy um, Sex is much like dark soil in a garden. It's beautiful in the confines of a garden and nourishes the plants that will grow. But if you take that same soil and place it on a white carpet, it's not so beautiful and not supposed to be there. Or a fire in a fireplace. There it provides warmth. There it provides satisfaction. But you take that fire out of the fireplace and it will destroy your home. It will burn down the house. And so what I want to talk about this morning is there are people who think, well, you know, you, you can't just stay with one person. And, and marriage just is kind of dull. And, and hey, listen, God has designed us husbands and wives he calls us together and he wants us to experience the joy and the satisfaction of being together a completion that's his heart's desire and we're going to look at three words from this passage this morning as uh, we talk about this the three words we're going to look at is co are covenant enjoyment and commitment and by the way th uh, this morning i'm reading from um, the contemporary english version a little bit different in choosing uh, this translation than I usually do. But anyway, for this message, verse 18 from the CV says, Be happy with a wife you married when you were young. In Bible times, they were often married 14, 15, 16, and the marriages were arranged. And although they were married young, they would stay together for many years it was a journey that was shared together a, a, a covenant of sharing life being bound together and, and growing and knowing one another and now we live in such a crazy time and marriage is so misunderstood and um, quite honestly the meaning of marriage the biblical understanding of marriage it's been sullied, it's been darkened. And I actually read as I was studying for this, because I've heard crazy stuff, people marrying objects, you know? And I, one woman married the Berlin Wall. Um, one, one guy had um, married uh, 
his mobile phone. And um, anyway, all these, the one that really caught my eye was, would you believe this? One guy married a picture of himself. Okay, that says a whole lot. And then there was one guy, he married his big widescreen television set. Put the rings on top of the set, had a ceremony and everything with his precious TV set. And here's what he, here's what he said uh, in the ceremony. He said, he said, took the vows of high fidelity, and he said, after two divorces and failed romances, he had given up. My TV gives me countless hours of pleasure without fussing, fighting, or back talk. <laughs> you know. And then the crazy places some people have marriage ceremonies. I read about one couple that they actually exchanged vows bungee jumping. I couldn't even talk if I was bungee jumping, even if I got up the courage to talk, much less do something like that. Then there are those who uh, on balloons, Jumping out of airplanes, parachuting. Twelve couples got married on a roller coaster. Boy, there's some ups and downs there, aren't there? Uh, anyway, what stabilizes a marriage? The word can be summed up in covenant. It is used 300 times in the Old Testament. And when we talk about covenant, we're talking about an agreement with a binding force. And as you look through the scriptures, there is a crimson thread of covenant all through the scriptures as God pursues us with his love. And obviously the love between a husband and a wife follows that awesome model of God's pursuit of us and his, his great love. One commentator said this, he said, God's people are covenant people. The Bible is a covenant book and marriage according to the book is to be a covenant, a formal agreement with a binding force. In Malachi 2, chapter 14, in one translation, it says, She is your partner. She is the wife of your marriage covenant. Of course, when man was first created, and he was naming the animals, and he was looking for a suitable helper, but none could be found. And then there was the creation of woman, which came from him. Woman means out of man. And the two were designed to fit together in a beautiful fashion, in a beautiful relationship that would last and grow. I think of the words of, remember Ruth and her mother-in-law, Naomi? And she said this to Naomi when she was preparing to leave. She said, where you will go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your God will be my God and your people will be my people. Jesus said, I'll never leave you. I will never forsake you. And God's intention for a marriage is that there is that kind of relationship to be shared and to be together. That certainly is, is his heart. I read about two sociologists who did a 50-year study on regard to cohabitation before marriage, uh, comparing with those who got married. And 50% of those who cohabitated before marriage ended up splitting, splitting up because of the idea of a back door. I thought it was interesting, though, when these sociologists talked to the different people. They said this, um, 
said that they said there was stolen a level of intimacy that is not warranted at that point, nor has been validated by the degree of commitment to one another. In Proverbs, uh, there's this phrase or this proverb, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant, but he who does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of hell. There is an expectation of covenant and marriage is meant to be lasting. That's God's desire. I understand that people are broken. I understand marriages break down and it breaks God's heart. But it is not his intention. His intention is for marriage to be a relationship that lasts until death do us part. Okay, that's the first one. Now, we'll look at the second word, which is enjoyment. Once again, in verse 18, he says, Be happy with the wife you married when you were young. In verse 19, she is beautiful and graceful, just like a deer. You should be attracted to her and stay deeply in love with her. Hey, C.S. Lewis said, Pleasure was God's idea, not the devil's. And quite frankly, the fun and the joy that a husband and wife ought to be able to experience together, there should be no end to that, man. We ought to be leading this world on how to enjoy one another in marriage. The world ought to be able to look at us and say, I want that. I want that relationship that I see. That's what I want. Uh, I have to admit it, it is hard when you go from, you know, dating and, man, I, I met Cindy, I was, my roommate, I met her when I was in seminary, my roommate said, you are falling way too fast, dude, way too fast. Well, well, it didn't stop me, and so anyway, um, after three months, I asked her to marry me, and we, we pushed it to a year, got married. And, you know, it's crazy. You go through the wedding ceremony and you've waited so long to be married and then just kiss and stare. I present to you, you walk out the door and suddenly everything's changed. Suddenly, we all fun is on now, you know. And I tell you what happened, though, on our honeymoon. Uh, the family had given us a cruise to the Bahamas. But this is one of those old cruise ships that did not have a stabilizer in the ship. And the food is fantastic on cruise ships. I mean, that, I admit that. But I got on there and, boy, did I enjoy that food. What I did not enjoy was motion sickness. And it is hard to be romantic when you are a deep shade of green. <laughs> and when you find yourself sick about all the time. So, you know, that was kind of a rough start. Fortunately, we found land. And that changed things dramatically. <laughs> Made things certainly a lot better. In verses 15 and 18, it talks about a well of your own that you should drink from. In a lot of translations, it talks about a cistern, which was a rock that was hewn out in order to hold water. And the point of that was... You drink water and you find satisfaction. Thirst is quenched. 
that thirst that you are desperate for is found. And there's to be that type of enjoyment and satisfaction in marriage between a husband and a wife. You know, two, two reasons, of course. One is reproduction, have children. You know, God said, I'm for it. Be fruitful, multiply. You know, let's uh, fill the earth. And that's hard. That's a whole nother subject, the idea of being a parent. And certainly parenting has its stages of difficulty. I remember hearing about one lady that said, if you could have, if you could start over and have kids all over again, would you? And she said, yes, just not the same one. <laughs> uh, you know, there is certainly some difficulty that happens there. It's interesting, uh, I kind of like the King James when it talks about throughout Genesis about the marriage, a man and woman, they come together and it says he knew her. I like the way that's expressed, that they know each other in an intimate fashion that you don't know anybody else that way. That's God's heart. That's his design. And, and that's what he wants to do in the relationship of a husband and wife. And honestly, many who have problems in the physical relationship, there are certainly other issues that are behind those problems. Then um, someone has said, I've heard this many times, you have too, you know, that men and women are so different. Uh, men are microwaved and women are crockpots. Men, it takes nothing to get them uh, hot and excited. Women, um, takes time. Uh, the two are totally different. Um, women need, they need some time to know they're loved. They need some appropriate expression of love. It's not just, oh yeah, let's go. No. It has to be cultivated. There has to be a time of preparation before you're together. And I'm gonna, I listened this week. I didn't start this. This guy was so good. I, I hadn't been listening to a lot of podcasts, but I listened to Focus on Family this week, and they had a guy, Ted Cunningham, and Ted Cunningham evidently speaks at a lot of marriage conferences. And he was sharing advice to men and women in order to get ready and to be prepared. And so th this is from uh, Ted Cunningham. I want to share some of these. I thought these were very insightful. He said, guys, romance starts, starts at the beginning of the day. You need to express your love throughout the whole day. Start when you get up in the morning, think of any thoughtful task you can do for her. Does the dishwasher need to be unloaded? Trash need to be taken out? Is there anything you can see that would lighten her load? Maybe make sure the coffee's made, fix breakfast. I don't know, but any of these tasks that say to her, I love you. Second, Ted says that Gary Smalley, who speaks a, a lot about the marriage relationship, a psychologist, uh, anyway, Gary said that you also need to give your wife meaningful non-sexual touches throughout the day. And he referred to these as NSPs. So guys, NSPs. 
inferior wife gets a UNSC, non-sexual touches throughout the day. And, and he went on. Ted said, and they're not meant to be like this. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. <laughs> you don't just give them one whack like that. No, they're to be strategically placed. What kind of touches are we talking about here? You know, it may be just gently touching her hair on the back of her ears or putting your hand on her shoulder. I mean, obviously holding hands or if you open the door for her, touching the small of her back or a, a kiss on the cheek. Small acts of affection that express your love to her that are non-sexual in nature. There's power in that. And also power in making connection during the day. You know, if you have a moment and call her, well, I guess now it's text, maybe you just call often, but to call or to text her and to say, honey, don't really want anything. I just want you to know I love you. Or share with her, and honestly, um, I love, I love the way you, you know, the look about you, the way you look, or I started saying something goofy, but you don't want it to be based on what you look like. Well, it's not what I mean. You want to know you just love her, and to be able to share that with her, and also um, when you get home, <laughs> do something to own it. Now, Ted said, I don't have it. I don't. I think this is a good idea. But he said, you know, maybe you should just start to think of just how sweet she is. And she seems like a saint. You know, you want to just <laughs> go ahead and do your job. Or the sound of a vacuum cleaner. That would be sexy, man. You know, a laundry detergent. Yeah. <laughs> you know, get some of those things done. I mean, that certainly has power. In other words, help her to relax. Help her to relax. I have found, and, and I've heard that it's true, you know, so often a woman, my wife's like this, she's thinking about ten things that need to be done. I'm thinking, you know, well, honey, you know, she has a UNC, you know. This has to be done, that has to be done, and she's distracted. So, you know, if at all possible, if we can remove as many of those distractions the better off we'll be in a relationship just to be able to understand that. All right, that's a little bit of advice that he shared uh, to the men, to the women. Now, <laughs> uh, he went on and he said, it's time to give some advice to the ladies. He said, now, ladies, this is it. Show up and show yourselves. <laughs> He said, that's all we need. We don't need any calls during the day. Um, you know, as a matter of fact, you'd be amazed how uh, dirty the house can be, and, and they're still happy if, if, those, ha if, if those two things happen <laughs> uh, in the relationship. So we look at covenant, we look at enjoyment, and I want to look at the last one, which is commitment. Verse 21 in um, the Tipperary. English version says, the Lord sees everything and he watches us closely. If your marriage is going to be all that it is meant to be, God needs to see 
the mosquitoes. You need to understand that God is always watching us, but God is always aware of everything. I mean, think about that. My, my God, my Savior, I forgot I said to my wife. Woo! That could be scary. You know, some of the things we sometimes say to one another. Oh, God knows who. God knows it all. And we sit together and we're right beside each other. It is critical that we have a relationship with God in every area of our lives. God, what do you want in this area of my life? We have a tendency, you know, to wear different hats and because we have different responsibilities. But Jesus is Lord of all. Jesus is Lord in every area. And the simple fact of the matter is, when we love Jesus together, we love each other. It's beautiful how God does that. When we love Jesus together, it's a beautiful world that he does. Um, let me close with this illustration. Uh, true story. Um, a guy named Jim Neewick and his wife went to Lake Washington a number of years ago with another couple. Uh, they were hiking together, and they were enjoying the incredible beauty around them, uh, the fir trees and the clouds and the beautiful open sky. Everything was awesome except for Jim because of a storm that was going on in his life. Jim was battling a malignant tumor, cancer. And it was certainly always in the back of his mind. They, the two couples enjoyed a beautiful day together. Uh, finally, they came to this magnificent lake. And there was a way to walk actually around and under the waterfall. And then when they came through the waterfall, there was this quaint little cabin. And they noticed that the cabin could be rented throughout the year. So <laughs> Jim's wife said, man, this place looks awesome. I want us to rent this cabin. And so um, she, I don't want to mess this whole world up, but he's like, I'm not going to be here next year because the, the sign also said it was full for this year you'd have to wait a whole year in order to rent it finally um, the other couple they, they could tell Jim was devastated and so he said you know what's wrong and he shared his heart he shared what was going on and his fears of how his wife wanting to book them for this cabin and chances are he'll be dead you know what, as so often is the case, it turns out we get things backwards. Because the place they hiked was Mount St. Helena. And the next year, Jim survived the tumor and he was still there, but the cabin was gone. Underneath the eruption of a volcano. And there's the point here, so often... We can get so sidetracked with what we foresee will be in the future that we miss what we have right now. 
and building the relationship that we have now because life, it is about relationship. Guys, if you take relationships out, there is really nothing left. Eternity is about relationship. Our relationship with a living God, our relationship with our spouse, our relationship with other people in our lives that we deeply love. I mean, what good is it to go to some great place on vacation by yourself or go out to eat by you want to share these things with people that you love and and sometimes we get sidetracked and we think well why even do that this isn't going to work out this way or that way don't miss the moment don't miss the moment that god has given you he wants us to build a life of joy and memory with those we love without a constant fear of what may be we need to enjoy what is in the relationships, and that comes through a commitment to Jesus Christ. If you want a vibrant, alive marriage, run to the one who created it. He is the foundation. Let's pray. God, thank you for a time on Valentine's Day to just, in Father, reflect upon marriage and, and the beauty of Father, how in Christ, it's just such a wonderful expression of love. And so, Father, I I pray this morning as we end this message, the service isn't over, I'm hoping that you are speaking and that we will respond to what you ask of us. Maybe it is something in our marital relationship that needs to be dealt with. Father, may we say yes to what you ask of us. Father, maybe uh, it just has to do with other relationships, even outside the marital relationship. Father, that there's been a hindrance to the love that should be there, and you're asking us to get busier that that may be removed. I pray that would occur. And Father, the biggest barrier of all is not knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, not knowing his forgiveness, not being his child. And so obviously anyone who is listening over the Internet or even here today, Father, that relationship has to be right for other relationships to be right. And so we invite anyone who wants Jesus and his forgiveness and the foundation of all other relationships to be stronger. And Father, I pray that one would just say yes to you. To pray, God, I'm broken. I need you. I need you to make me whole. So, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come to live within me. And I want that new start that comes in you alone to happen. Father, we trust you with an altar that's open to pray, um, with hearts that are open to listen, that you, O God, may speak and that we may follow. In Christ's name we pray.
closing prayer. I just make sure everybody knows the people are here for at least this five more. Lori Peak, Susie, we will be there in the hospital. She's had a slight stroke. She's having an MRI sometime today, so that was good news. We have faith in God.